Hey, you're listening to the Debt-Free CEO Podcast, where you'll learn ways to manage your finances in your personal or business life to set you on the path to debt-free and on to financial freedom. I'm Megan, your debt-free finance coach, former high school math teacher, now a debt-free entrepreneur. In 2021, I paid off $53,000 worth of debt in 12 months so that I could walk away from the classroom. Whether you're on the path to debt-free or looking for ways to manage your finances better, you're in the right place. Walking the path to financial freedom doesn't have to be lonely. We're in this together. Hey friends, welcome back. Today I have a special guest, Branda Villacob. She is a copywriter and marketing guru in the online space. And so she is going to be talking with us today about all kinds of things. So I will let her get us started and introduce yourself. Yeah. Well, as you said, I'm Branda. I own the Relevant Collective and I focus mostly on like email marketing and content strategy, but like in the freelancing space. So I'm definitely very much a solopreneur. I have like two people that kind of work alongside me in a very small capacity. So it's kind of just me running the show. But yeah, I work a lot with former teachers because that is what I am and teachers who like are also still in the classroom. But I actually think of most of my clients now are former teachers, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I work a lot with them, helping them keep up with their content, nurture their audience and build their business one email at a time. So that's awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you. So kind of tell my listeners how you got started in business because former teacher, I mean, that's a lot of my audience. That's a lot of your audience. So they really resonate with that. So kind of tell us how you got started. Yeah. So I think I have a little bit of a different path than a lot of people. I think a lot of people, when they left teaching, they like were hanging on tight and it was kind of maybe when COVID happened, they felt like they needed to, or they had kids and it was just a natural thing for me. I like kind of knew I wanted to leave teaching. I just wasn't in love with it anymore. My fifth year, I kind of had to sign on for another teaching job because I couldn't find anything else. And so I was like, okay, I need to kind of plot my escape is kind of what I call it. So I started freelancing on the side in like October of that year. And it was a lot. It was very challenging trying to do a full-time job and also go home and do two to four hours of writing. It was crazy. But being able to do those two things side by side when the school year came to a close, I was like, okay, I think I'm making enough that I could do this full-time. So, you know, obviously with our teacher salary, or at least how most some places are, I got paid on like a 12-month pay scale. So I got paid until like September. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just try this out until September, see if I can get to a full-time income. And I was able to kind of leave. So that's kind of how I entered this was, and I was doing stuff on TPT before. So I guess that's kind of where did I come up with the idea of copywriting? I was doing a side business already. And I was like, well, what do I like about this? I like the writing aspect. Other people don't, and they'll pay me to do it. <laughs> And so that was kind of the segue. I wish I had like this great heartwarming story, of, but that's really the truth. So <laughs> so did I understand that correctly? You, when you did leave the classroom, you were able to replace your teaching salary slash go full-time essentially in your business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And yeah, so I kind of like everything that I made while I was teaching and while I was still getting my teaching salary, I just didn't spend it. Like I, well, I mean, I spent like a little bit, but I wasn't paying myself anything for my business. And I think that was like my saving grace because I knew that if something went wrong, I had plenty of money to fall back on. So I definitely wouldn't have left if I didn't feel like I had that cushion for myself. I truthfully think 
it's not the only way, but I think that's the only way for teachers that want to escape the classroom is to build that side business while they are teaching as well. And then save that money, not spend it or put it towards debt, which is something that I teach about. And then when they quit, they have this money either saved up or they have this reoccurring income coming in. And I truthfully just, I believe that that's the secret to getting teachers to walk away from the classroom. Yeah, because I feel like it's a mindset thing too, where they feel like it's so cut and dry of I have to replace it immediately or I have to find something that gets me that exact amount. And it's like, it's not always that black and white, so to speak. So, well, tell us where you're currently at in business. Yeah. So, because that's been a while. When did you leave the classroom? So that would have been, I always forget it's, this is now the second school year that I haven't been in the classroom. So so I guess it's been, yeah, two years of doing October. It. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a year and a half, I guess, of like full time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. two years ago. So tell us where you're at now in business and like the yeah. I would definitely say I'm, I think if you would have asked me that like six months ago, I would feel like growing pains. Like I was kind of gotten to a plateau like six months ago where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making what I need to pay the bills, but I'm not, I'm working a lot. Like I'm working a lot, a lot for what I'm making. And freelancing is just one of those things when you're doing it all alone, like it can feel so hard to know where to move because you're the only one who gets to make that choice. I feel like right now though, I've kind of started that pivot towards, okay, I'm in that plateau and I'm I'm starting to slowly move up the hill a little bit more. I'm making a little bit more money. That's not just the necessities now. I'm making a little bit extra. I'm taking in clients who are willing to pay higher rates. I'm asking for higher rates because I understand now what my time is worth more. I have a better understanding of how also mentally draining the work is. Sometimes I think I just always calculated things on like, oh, well, it takes me, you know, two hours to write this. So that's what I'm going to charge for. But like mentally, I can't write eight hours a day. That is extremely exhausting, (laughs) right? So I feel like I've just gotten to that place where I feel a lot more confident in what I'm worth and what my time is worth really and asking for that. And people have been really receptive and they're like, yeah, I'm willing to pay that because I see the quality of the work, which is a really nice feeling. So I would say maybe in like an accelerator phase a little bit. I'm getting out of growth, kind of like in my feeling like I'm in my teen years, maybe. I'm like getting my footing on who I am, you know? No, you bring up so many good points because the not so glorious thing about starting your business that people don't talk about often and all you see it is the quote unquote positive, the good things, the I replace my teacher's salary, I work for myself and all those things are wonderful. And they're great, but just like teaching every day, 40 plus hours a week is hard. So is being a business owner. It's a different kind of hard and I would never trade it and go back to the classroom, but it is hard in the same sense of you have to choose your heart and choose what's going to make you happy because growing pains are very relevant and they are are very painful (laughs) and they're not always fun. So let's talk about some of those challenges that you've faced or growing pains that you have faced in business? Yeah, that's a good question. I think really the plateau with money is probably one of the hardest ones. And I think so many people experience this. It's like when you hit maybe like four to 5k months, it feels like it kind of gets stuck there for a long time. I know I was for a while. And for people who are listening who might not be in the freelancing space full time yet, four to 5k sounds like a lot, which it is. I'm definitely not complaining. But when you take out like taxes and how much you have to expend like as a business owner, 
I, that was like just cutting it for my teacher's salary, right? Like I was just taking home what I would have as a teacher and I'm in Texas. So I wasn't taking home that much. So to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I want to actually pay myself a, a nice livable wage where I can buy my wants and my needs. I think getting past that barrier really came with making my marketing consistent, really being targeted with my marketing. And that not only helped me push myself to the next level, but also to make sure that I'm consistent in the money that I'm bringing in. Because again, I think that is a really hard part about freelancing is that it is not a salary. You're not guaranteed $6,000 months every single month. And so how can I make sure that every single month I'm paying my bills, I'm able to pay myself? That can be really hard. I think we've all gotten stuck at that three to 5K month mark. And like you said, you do have to plan for taxes, expenses, retirement. I just wrote an email on this exact topic because when you sit down and you think about it and you're like, okay, well, when I was teaching, I brought home. So I think I I brought home 4,000, but that was after taxes, after retirement, after insurance. So when you backtrack as a business owner, you have to think of all of those things in consideration And I think it was like a rough number was I would need to make $6,000 as a freelancer to replace my teaching salary. And that can be so overwhelming and intimidating Mm -hmm. when you're first starting out, especially when you don't know how to structure your packages, because we all start Mm -hmm. somewhere. We all have to learn somewhere. I used to charge hourly. You used to charge hourly, right? We, (laughs) We learn as we go and learn along the way, but the strategy behind it is really what helps us get through and push past those growing pains so that we can get into the accelerator phase like you're in right now to where we do have consistent and reliable income. Because I think that's also a big fear that people have when it comes to freelancing is I don't have, I don't know how to make in consistent income. I won't make consistent income. And it's a mindset shift um, that has to happen, but it's something that can be intimidating for people that need that security. I still and get, you know, self-conscious or insecure or overwhelmed about, oh my gosh, what if I lose a client or oh, I did lose a client? How do I replace that? But having proper systems in place and having, like you said, with your marketing and your messaging, mm-hmm. but also even in your finances, having money saved aside, having a plan. And that's something that you and I talked about with yeah. your emergency fund. And you're like, well, I've saved up all this money. I'm like, okay, girlfriend, that would get you through <laughs> the end of the year if if needed. And I said, it, and you're not going to lose your business tomorrow. Um, and I remember you saying, yeah, okay, you're right. I'm I'm not crazy. So let's talk about how you overcome those challenges. And I know you have content planning that you've started up. So kind of tell us about that and how that has stabilized your income so that you're not constantly stressed month after month of, okay, am I going to make my target income goal or am I not? What am I going to do? Yeah. So I kind of have a little bit of like a personal story with that, but then also something I've learned from my clients a lot too which is there's kind of a a pattern that I've seen with my own clients and in myself, which is when things are really good in business, we start getting really overwhelmed in a good way. We're like, okay, I'm busy with client work or I'm busy creating products, whatever I'm doing, the money's good. And so the marketing, we let go of it a little bit because we're like, well, I don't have to necessarily focus on this, but also I have a lot of other stuff going on. So I'm going to let that fall to the wayside. But then inevitably, because, you know, trends happen, shifts happen in economy, whatever the reason might be, at some point, you might notice like, okay, maybe I'm not getting as many clients. I haven't gotten as many inquiries this month. I'm not getting as many people reaching out. 
And then we hit like the panic button because now we're not going to reach that level that we need to be at money-wise. So we like start rushing, rushing, rushing to market. And there's a couple problems with that, which is A, now we're like freaking out marketing. But B, like marketing takes a long time to get people to want to invest in us, to trust us enough to invest in our services. That can take months, if not sometimes even years. Like I have people I worked and talked with for a year or two before they ever were like, hey, yeah. I think I'm finally ready. So in order to maintain that consistency, we have to stay consistent with the marketing, even in the really crazy times. And that's kind of where the personal story comes in is I made that mistake. I think back in like March, I had a bunch going on. I had like a brand new client. It was like the biggest thing I'd ever taken on. And I was like, so excited. I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about the marketing right now. I'm going to like put it to the side. And then a few months later, I lost my biggest client to date. It was like almost half of what I was making every single month. And I went full on panic. And I was like, okay, that can never happen again, right? I cannot be in this situation because even though I do have money to pull from, I don't want to pull from that if I don't have to. So yeah, it really is what I talk to my clients about is like consistency can look different in different periods of our life. You can pull back on email sometimes, right? But you shouldn't stop. You can pull back on social media sometimes, but you should never stop. And also just batch as much as possible. If you can batch your emails and just schedule them so you don't have to worry about them or hire someone to maybe help you out or use AI to help come up with drafts for you and then edit those. Whatever you need to do to stay consistent, even in those really busy periods, it will pay off so much in the long run because you won't be hitting that panic button later. Yeah, that was going to be my question to you was, we have been there where we're busy, 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 and it's mm-hmm. good, 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 and we're overwhelmed. So the emails stop, the posting on social media yeah. stop, because at the end of the day, our goal is to our clients. But mm-hmm. at some of the, the best mentors in the space have always said that you have to keep your business first and then your client second, and so, so to speak, in so many words, in order to keep going and continued growth. So what is your advice for people that do get in that situation where they're really, really busy and they want yeah. to stop everything and only put all of their eggs in their client's mm-hmm. basket because they've got too much on their plate? Would you suggest they outsource? Would you suggest they try to just find small pockets of time? Kind of give us what you yeah. would suggest on that. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think anytime I do a content plan with my clients, I ask them a few couple key questions, which is what is your capacity right now? And what is doing really well for you? Because I'll have clients come to me and they list like the six places they want to show up, social media, TikTok, Instagram, email, blog. And I'm like, okay, but like, if you're not doing any of those things consistently right now, I can create a plan for all of those things for you. But are you going to do them consistently? Probably not because you don't really actually have the time. So First, ask yourself and be realistic about your capacity. Maybe you only have the capacity to write two blogs right now. Even if you want to write four, that's okay. Two blogs is better than none, right? So after you've kind of figured out your capacity, I would look at my data. So if I know, and this has been like a really hard thing for me lately, I love email over social media. However, when I look at my data and I look at my customer journey, social media does perform better for me as far as attracting clients because most of my clients don't come to me through like they sign up for a freebie, they get nurtured on their email list, then they meet with me. Most of my clients come through referrals. So they go from referral to looking at my social media, checking me out, maybe looking at my website and then like reaching out to me. So also figuring out like what is working for you because why put all of your time into something that isn't what's generating the traffic right now? If I'm going to pull back on something right now, it's probably going to be email. 
because that's not the thing that's leading to most of my clients right now, whereas social media is. So I'm probably not going to want to pull back on that. Even when things get really busy, that's where I'm probably going to put most of my marketing effort. So I would just really evaluate those two things. If you can outsource, great. Not all of us have the capacity to do that. And again, asking yourself, okay, maybe I just really don't have the time right now, but I can pick one place to outsource. Okay, social media would probably be my place to go because I'm seeing the most results there. So I think that is the best thing to do, but just be really realistic with yourself because all of us have a lot going on and things will change with every season, right? Like when you were pregnant versus when you had the baby, two very different seasons of your life, or even just being really busy with clients or having a slowdown with clients. That's going to also determine how much you're able to do. And it's human nature, really, in in my opinion, we always want to do everything that we can and be the best at everything that we can and show up everywhere that we can for the most part. So it takes a lot of discipline to stop that and to yeah. be strategic, like you're saying about, I'm going to show up on this platform and this platform only because that is where I'm getting most of my leads right now. I don't need to go make a Pinterest account because I've never once gotten a single client (laughs) from Pinterest or blog or whatever it may be. So that's it's a hard question to ask yourself, but it's one that is important because when we look at everything and we try to do everything at once, we end up doing nothing. And so it's not as beneficial. So talk to us about, because I know you said that you had a big shift and switch in your packaging and your offers this year, I think. So Tell us how that has helped you in your personal finances and even in your business finances and just in general. Yeah. So I know for me, the biggest thing that has been really key to stability in my business has been retainer clients. I know that not everyone is a fan of retainers. Um, I know plenty of people who that's just not their thing, but it has really been beneficial for me. And so I kind of switched up my packages to having retainers set within a certain time period. Because a big thing I noticed for me was that, first of all, I don't like having difficult conversations with people. I get really close to my clients. Like I genuinely, they become almost like friends to me. And so it is hard to talk about money when you're in the middle of business. But by setting these contract periods that are like three months, six months, it's a natural segue for me to have that conversation with them and to say, hey, I think maybe we should add something new. Let's upgrade your client. Or hey, my prices have changed a little bit and I can give them small bumps in the pricing rather than this huge increase later, right? We've been working together for a year. Oh my gosh, my prices have changed so much. And like that's an even more difficult conversation. So having those periods where we can chat, reevaluate, having the retainer where I know I'm going to expect that income for three or six months because they're like locked in for that time period. And then outside of that is really where the marketing comes in for bringing in those like one-time projects to kind of fill in the gaps because every month is different, right? Like next month we have holidays and stuff happening. So I have less time for one-time projects, but I know I can depend on my retainers to keep my income steady, even when I'm taking time off. Yeah. I love what you said about talking about money, especially with these clients that we serve can be uncomfortable um, or awkward or whatever. And so I like that you do the three to six month contracts because it is a natural way. And the client knows and you know that, hey, after three, after six months, this is up. So we're going to have to talk about it or Mm -hmm. it's going to be canceled. And so it is more of a natural way to bring up the conversation. So you feel less awkward and you are more comfortable about it and confident in your business. So I love that as well. And I think one of the secrets to freelancing is 
having that retainer income so that money that you can rely on month after month be the money that is livable for you. And then you have those, we'll call them fun one-time projects. That's like bonuses that you get every single month because then if you, because those aren't guaranteed, right? Those require consistent marketing, consistent, you know, talking to your audience and drawing them in. And so you may not get, you know, one of your content plannings for the month, but that's okay. If you have worked your retainers the correct way, then you don't rely on Mm -hmm. that income. So when you do get it, it's like, yay, I just got a bonus. And that's the best part about being a business owner is we get bonuses whenever we decide. Yeah, (laughs) totally agree. Yeah, it is. That is really is the key coming in. I know. And again, not every freelancer wants to do retainers. I know freelancers who are like, I'm not a retainer kind of person, but they do have to be way more consistent with their marketing then, right? Like there really is no stop because you're always, you know, for some businesses, it's harder. Like I work with someone who does website design, like it's going to be hard to have a retainer, right? With that. So I also get the different types of clients are going to have different types of projects happening. But when you can offer retainers, even if it's like a maintenance package, right? Like you're checking in with someone, just those like little ways you can build in that money every single month that you know you're getting that is so helpful. I agree completely. So tell us what's next for you and for your business. Do you have anything exciting happening? Kind of, I know you're in an accelerator phase. So what's coming? Yeah. So one thing I've been working really hard on doing, and I'm still doing it behind the scenes. That's like my focus of this month is building up more like VIP days, which I call them copy collabs. It's something I've offered in the past, but I've never like really been strategic. So I'm trying to nail down exactly how to market them, how I'm going to use, like what messaging I'm going to use to put it out there to show people the value in it. But something that I think it's going to offer me a lot from the personal freelancing side is some more flexibility in my business. I do a lot of projects that really could happen in a day anyways. And so by shortening the time, the client gets to walk away with something really quickly. I get to knock something off my task list really quickly. And it can make it easier to fill in those like little gaps in my schedule. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have like a random day in the middle of the month where I'm like, what can I fit in that? You know, like, what can I do with that little day? I'm like, okay, I could offer a VIP day for that. That's something simple. And then we both walk away with, a result at the end, which is a really nice feeling. Well, do you have any advice for freelancers that are just starting out and confused on how to scale and how to design packages or how to have inconsistent income? Is there anything that you want to share with our listeners that you haven't already? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice I'd give to someone who's starting freelancing is not to worry about what anyone else is doing. I think that was the biggest mistake I made when I started. I looked at so many people's like, what are they offering? What are they doing? What are they charging? And I think I really screwed myself over with that because I would offer things I wasn't really excited about. I would put prices out there that I didn't even really knew why I choose that price. I just chose it because someone else was also offering something similar. Um, And instead, really dig into your own finances. What do you need? to survive every month, right? To meet your needs, to make your business continue to grow and then use that to figure out, okay, what's my like hourly rate? How long does it take me to do this project? Okay, that's what I need to charge then, right? And really consider your own personal situation because we all live in different places. We all have different families. We all have different expenses. None of us should necessarily be charging the same thing because our own personal experience that we bring, our own expertise and the life that we live is all different. So take that into consideration. Mm, Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head with all of that because it's so easy 
as a business owner to look over and be like, oh, wow, well, she's offering that. You know, I think if I offer every product or every service in the book, then I'm going to gain more clients. And that is not, that's not true. Just get overwhelmed. (laughs) Yes. And it it goes to the same sense as when people say that you should niche down or niche down, right? If you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So if you're offering every service known to man, then you're offering it to absolutely nobody. And so get very specific and clear on who it is that you want to serve and what it is that you want to do. It can be something so completely random and off the wall, but I guarantee you somebody out there is looking for it, right? You just need to find the problem and you be the solution and you can do literally anything that you want. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Well, where can we connect with you on social media and whatever else you may have out there? Yeah. You have um, a podcast, something, another as well. Yes. Yeah. So I hang out mostly on Instagram at The Relevant Collective. Um, And I also just released a new private podcast I'm really excited about that dives into welcome sequences. Um, That's something I get asked about a lot. So I walk through like how to plan them, what to include, how to know if your welcome sequence is performing. You can find that on my website, therelevantcollective.com, or it's in my link in bio on my Instagram as well. So that's awesome. So go ahead and tell them a little bit too about what a private podcast is, because I knew absolutely nothing about podcasting before I got (laughs) into it. And somebody else in the industry was talking about, oh, I want to do a private podcast. And I was like, what that is. So kind of tell them what that is and how they sign up to get access to that. Yeah. A private podcast basically is like, it's not an ongoing podcast that I do. It's essentially like a lead magnet. It's a way for me to get you into my sphere. So you can be added to my email list. I can get to know you there, nurture you some more. Um, But also it gives you exclusive access to the podcast. So I don't like release it publicly. You can't just find it on Spotify. You got to sign up to get it so we can get in each other's email inbox. I love that. Yeah, that is, those are so cool and so original and creative. I didn't even know that was a thing. So, but I didn't know a lot before I got into freelancing, let's be honest. So, <laughs> when you join freelancing, I feel like your eyes are open and you're just like, oh, yes, wow, there's this, for there's real. that. That's so cool. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. I am excited that you were able to get on here today and I'm excited for the things that are coming in your business. And your story is wonderful because. I think when we get started or we want to do freelancing or virtual assisting or, or whatever it is in the online space, we think that it's going to happen immediately. And that's not always the case. That wasn't my case. We are, have been in the industry about the same time. And yeah. there is no um, immediate uh, results and immediate satisfaction mm-hmm. to where you go from zero income months to now I make six figures in one to two months. That's just not the reality and it's not talked about enough. So I'm really glad that you came on here today to give my audience a, to enlighten them a little bit and just kind of talk about your story and your journey. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Debt-Free CEO podcast. Make sure you leave us a review and check us out on meganmendez.com. Connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Megan Mendez underscore underscore. In the meantime, happy budgeting. See you next time.